Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Achtung Millwall supports the Lions Food Hub. This is a friendly local food hub. It's based in Bermondsey. It's run by our very own Kelly Webster of the Mill Lionesses, a very well-known Millwall fan. They do need supplies, dear listeners. Before we get into the show today, they have posted they need tinned meat, they need toiletries, they need soup, they need tin fruit and veg. If you can help in any way, they are on Twitter, at Lions Food Hub. DM them. You can DM me at Actong Millwall and I'll pass on any help and information that we can. Lions Food Hub at Lions Food Hub. Thank you for listening. Now back to the show. You're listening to Actong Millwall, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin. Except no substitute. Hello, dear listeners. By public demand, you asked for it, you get it. You get an end-of-year season review show. You're going to get a double header because the idea of mixing a Zoom call with six of the personalities that feature on Achtung Mill was just too much work for me, dear listeners. So you're going to get it as two episodes, end-of-season review. You asked for it, you get it. And today's edition features... The new shoppers, Mr. Ryan Loftus. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Good afternoon, Nick. Good to be back on. And How are we all doing? We 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 are all right. Um, there's there's a um, a great thing. I might stick it online. Actually, it was from Viz Magazine. One of their made up letters to the editor, and someone had written in how um, he really didn't mind lockdown because he fucking hates people and that means you haven't seen any. And I thought, I'm kind of like, <laughs> I know it was made up leather, but I'm, I'm not I'm not a million miles from, um, I think it was Mr. Terry Lean or something like that, his name. Um, I thought that actually captures something of my approach to lockdown. I like that. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine, mate. Thank you very much. Michael, how have you found lockdown? How's it been for you? Quiet. Um, day, day to day, work wise, no different for me. But just obviously quiet the weekends because you look forward to the football. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not there. It's not there. But but silver lining on that cloud, the way the data is going, um, we'll be back next season. So as much as uh, as much as sometimes you hear some stupid thing in the stands by people who think they're failed recruitment um, <laughs> officers for Millwall Football Club, I'm looking forward to hearing it again. So good to be back on as well, Nick. Well, it's good to have you both on. I appreciate you both taking time out of your working days to fulfil the public's need for comment on what has been by far the strangest season of my life. Um, I can't think of anything to really um, match up to it. Possibly the early 70s when we had power cuts, no floodlights and so on, but nothing really comes close to it. So 
we're going to i've set the chaps um uh, five i don't know if they're questions and five talking points listeners so first up i've asked you all to sum up that season in a sentence who wants to go first ryan can you sum up that season in a sentence oh it's it's hard i think it's a, it's a very, very odd one. I think my sentence to sum up the season would be, yeah, fair enough. I think I think that that's my <laughs> that's my attitude. I think with, yeah, with fair everything enough. going on, I have to say it's you know I, I'm not too disappointed. I'm not too thrilled. But when you take everything into consideration, you just kind of shrug your shoulders and go, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, so, I suppose. Right, I mean, a mid-table finish, obviously, um, it's a favorite cliche but the league table tells the truth in the end doesn't it and um i think we deservedly what was it 11th or 12th we finished in the end um so yeah fair enough actually that, that does capture something so yeah fair enough for ryan michael what was your what was your se- season in a sentence did you come up with anything um i might bullet point if you don't mind slightly, uh, slightly <laughs> okay. michael has come um, very very prepared for this one so uh, he's coming for a while <laughs> yeah. wired go on and go for it um, I would say uh, disappointing considering uh, the potential for promotion. Um, mm. And I don't mean just us, um, as I said at the very start of the season, considering there was no big teams up there. Um, Millwall don't do mid-table boredom because <laughs> um, a lot of other teams in our position would take 11th place, but we've been bored shitless. Excuse my French. Um, yeah. And thirdly, and thirdly, Football is boring with piped in noise. We need fans back. Football is nothing without the fans, chaps. I don't know if you've uh, heard that one before, but um, it does seem to have been proven to be true this season. I mean, my my season in a sentence um, was so near yet so far, and I think it probably goes down the yeah, fair enough route of Ryan. Um, Because I actually think that we could have done a lot better, should have done a lot better this season. And... I mean, I've got a proposition to put to you both, actually. I'd be interested to hear what you both think. But I think that the squad, especially in the last month and a half or so, I'm really looking at the last two, four, six games um, since the win at Stoke on the 5th of April, the, stock, the, the squad has let Gary Rowett down in that period because, um, you know, you can, you can get beaten by better quality sides and we, we were probably facing the best, uh, some of the best sides in the division in the last six matches. But we have not brought that essential ingredient in any endeavour, sports endeavour of any, any kind. That's basic effort. I think we've looked switched off uh, for two, on too many occasions in the last six games. And I think they've let Gary Rowett down because we were in a position, I think maybe we would never seriously have challenged for the top six, but we should have got a lot closer to it in the end than we did. Is that fair comment, boys? Who wants to um, weigh in on, on, on that tip? Is it, is it fair? Is it harsh? What do you think? Um, I think, if you don't mind me jumping in first, Ryan, I think if you are a team, um, as I said, who, who I have said have finished eighth last season, um, and the you, you say about the big names in the division or the bigger teams in the division, Nick, mm. um, you had three poor teams go down from the, from the Premier League at the start of the season, um, and good teams go up. Um, last season is in Leeds, West Brom, etc. And the ones who went down from the Championship were replaced by, again, poorish teams from League One. So, yeah, I, I think that they've, to a degree, they've let Gary Rowett down. Um, I think that this was a, a good, maybe not re- openly, massively realistic, but I think this was 
certainly a season where we should have took a punt and gone for it, uh, considering, um, you know, to start the season on paper, if you've got a good run, you've got a good start, you you could arguably sort of stay in that top six for a lot of the season. Um, and yeah, there, there was there were some games where they did seem to switch off. Uh, I, I put in my notes about certain players. For example, we'll touch on it when we touch on the squad, but like a Tom Bradshaw, that there is a player there, but he didn't seem to really be hitting the heights or, or you know, getting the goals that his obvious talent at times delivered. And I think the only real player who consistently every single game put in a shift for Gary Rowe was the goalkeeper who rightly won player of the season. Well, I mean, I, I, I am to some point, level, I'm parking the, the endless run of draws and I'm parking the injuries, um, all of which were major factors in the season. So, uh, you know, we, we have to be realistic. Some, some pretty key players have fallen by the wayside over the course of the um, eight months or so, whatever the season lasts for. I'm actually focused on the fact that we had, we've got ourselves to a level um, quite you know, late in the season, early April, where with more effort, we could have got a lot closer to that top six. I, I still think we probably would have fallen short in the end because we just set ourselves too much of a, of a, of a task by the, by the last six games. But when I'm, I'm just looking at those last six games there, Ryan, I mean, starting with the hammering by Swansea, 3-0, um, we've got an OK draw away at Brentford, which was a tough, a tough gig, and we did well there. But we got stuffed. I mean, Brentford, uh, Bournemouth... Um, pulled us apart, made us look like um, amateur hour. Um, I, I still don't quite have words for Saturday's shambles, where we got beat 6-1. And, you know, I, you know, we got beat at Watford, which I think is probably a fairer result because they're a decent side. But, you know, you look at those two hammerings by Swansea and Bournemouth, and then, let's be honest, by Coventry on Saturday, I find that unforgivable. How do you... How do you am I being... Am I looking for too much here, do you think? Uh, it's hard because... Um... I think I think in some respects it it's not you know it's not unreasonable to demand effort from players and it's not unreasonable to demand better performances than that. The I thought the Swansea result was was a very odd one. It three nil. I thought it didn't. It, but by the end of the game, it didn't flatter them. But mm. at at the time, it really did because it was one nil and we were unlucky not to be in the game. We were very unlucky when it went two nil. That was very much against the run of play. And then by the time they get the third, we're just chasing the game and. They just get us on the break. So the scoreline ends up looking worse than perhaps the performance was. The, the Bournemouth one was a, yeah, we just torn apart by a, a completely better side that we've, we see that quite a lot with Millwall when we come up against really good passing sides. The players just look like they're, they just look like school kids trying to chase shadows really. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And like I say, the Coventry one's a complete capitulation. It's, it's really hard, I think, this season. And I, I disagree a bit with what, with what Michael was saying where, the run, the, the the injuries are really hard to park for me because there's times this season when we've missed six, seven, eight first-team players, not yes. necessarily all starters, maybe four or five starters at times, but squad players and depth. And, and Millwall, we know they have a really small budget for the league. We have a really small squad for the league and we have generally low volume of quality for the league. So... When we're missing some of our best players, and and not even our best players, so you look at someone like Conor Mahoney, who hasn't hit the ground running, looks like he's talented in flashes, but never really consistently delivered in his first season. Mm. He's something completely different, though, to what we've got in the squad at the moment. He's, and so having someone like that in the bench, or you can come in for a run of games and find some form, 
can change things around. You look at Ryan Leonard, who, you know, before his injury, he was almost nailed on for player of the season for me. Yeah. And then it's, it's easy yeah, to figure agree. that. And, and then the last few games without Hutchinson kind of highlight his importance. So, so squad depth is a really big issue for Millwall. And that's not necessarily just a problem of building the squad. It is a bit of a problem with some of the players we've got. But the money that we have, we can't afford to have 30 players all in contention, like some teams in the league who are happy to just waste their money especially with COVID where we're, we're losing more money. So it's, it's a really tough one. And I think by the end, of this, the end of the season, I think just caught up with the players. And that is a bit of a drop of effort. We have seen a lot of times with this side under Gary Rowett since he's come in. They're really inconsistent sometimes. They're, they can go on a little run, but there'll be some games where we, look, we win 2-1 or we get a good 0-0 draw like against Norwich or like you say against Brentford. And you go, right, we've turned a corner. We, we're going to put in a great shift now. And then next week we turn up against... Rotherham and get mm. beaten 3-0 because yeah. none of the players have bothered to run. And it's it's really frustrating. And it is becoming a bit of a trait of this Millwall side, you know, where, where Harris had his 2-0 lead phobia. <laughs> Rowitz, Rowitz kind of having the, the flip-flop performance. So it's, you can't, you, you don't really trust this Millwall side yet to to build momentum and, and go on a run. And maybe that is not having fans in. Obviously, Rowett hasn't had fans in a lot. No. But I think it did happen a little bit before that. But, you know, he, he's not, you know, the majority of his career as a Millwall manager has been behind closed doors. So maybe with fans in the stands and a bit of momentum from them, that helps. But yeah, it's, it's a really tough one this year. I think it's it's not wrong to be really disappointed with finishing 11th, but it's also not wrong to be kind of content with it and and drawing a line under it. I think in, in, in order to be happy with the finish, it really depends on how we press on from now. You know, it can't be a regression. We have to. We have to now finish. Next season's a massive one for, for finishing above eleventh. We have a trait of you know three or four seasons in the championship where have one good season when we just come up, then we stutter a bit and then we drop. And so you know next season traditionally you'd be going into the season thinking seventeenth might be a finish where we we'll sit. So if we really want to be serious, we, we need to invest right and and sign some good players and and push for a top. I'd say top nine finish. Anything below nine next yeah. season will be really disappointing. Yeah, I think I think for me, Brian, I, I, to touch on your point about the depth, I think I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, like you say, we've got a small squad or anything like that. You know, injuries hit us hard. But um, listeners, we, again, we'll touch on it shortly when, when Nick gets to the point. But Nick asked us to actually make a list of, of players and how they thought we did and everything like that. But when I was putting mine together, and I sort of half said it mockingly to the chaps before recording, we don't have any sort of steady, apart from Murray Wallace and arguably Shane Ferguson, we don't have that sort of steady Eddie, do we? So that if someone's out for a few games, we can put this person in, know they'll do a job. And then when that other person who's been out for a while gets back injured, he can he can obviously slot back in. I think with Millwall at the moment, it's like when, when Hutch or Cooper was out injured and Pierce came in, as much as he puts in effort, he's just clearly not at this level. So, yeah. That obviously maybe put a bit of worry into the side, into into the fans, into arguably even to Gary Rowett, even though he picks the squad. And same with same with the strikers up front. Uh, Matt Smith obviously wasn't picked for whatever reason, but he was scoring. But then when Matt Smith got injured, or I think he broke his foot, isn't he, or his ankle, or yeah, something like that, well, isn't it? Yeah. Towards the end, who who's gonna who? Even if he's not picked, who at the moment have we got is going to replace a 10, 11 goal season striker? That's why you ended up with Jed Wallace and Mason Bennett up front. Um, I think when you say when it comes to recruitment, the problem is with with I, I, I sort of horribly and 
probably unjustly aim this at sort of the younger sort of football manager generation who sees all these really big names or all these real flash talents and everything like that. But I think like you say, Ryan, with depth, I think we just need to put three or four steady eddies in there who, who are just reasonably happy to keep the bench warm and know that they'll get 10, 15 games a season either from the bench or starting. I mean, uh, Shane Ferguson's been shown the door, um, rightly or wrongly, and, and Sean Williams' career has come to a finish, probably correctly in Sean's case, given his age and his desire for first-team football. But those kinds of players will be those, probably those two um, immediately spring to mind there, Michael. I mean, it, this kind of leads me on to the second point that I've asked everyone just to have a, a think about, and, and probably you too, dear listener, because um, it's easy to criticise, and as the nature of football, that we've all got views and opinions, and um, everyone thinks that they could do a better job than a manager. But in all honesty, I mean, Ryan, I mean, if, if putting yourself in Gary's Rarit's shoes, um, are there things he could have done better or should have done better differently? Um, probably a better choice of words. I mean, I'm I'm struck by the, the 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 two focal points of the attack this season, which was originally going to be Troy Parrott, of course, back was back in the summertime months of last year, um, and then Kenneth Zohor, who came to us. Um, I think it was midwinter, wasn't it, when he came in. Um, both turned out in their different ways to be um, approaching duds in their different in their different ways. But on paper, both look good good signings. I, I was quite excited by Parrot when he first appeared, and I mean that's I don't know that Gary Rout could have done much different on that front. Is there anything that strikes you he could have done differently over the course of the season, given everything that's happened? Yeah. So the first thing that I I would have done differently, and it would have been top of my list from last season which I think really, really hurt us this season. And if we don't sort it in the summer, we'll hurt us again next season, is signing a, a creative forward midfielder. So a number 10 or, or a number eight who can, who can push forward and create balls forward. I think last season, especially under Alwit, that was our massive, massive issue was creating chances. And we, we, we just never created anything, especially in the middle of the pitch. Jed Wallace was right on the, on the right-hand side. And when he drifted over to the left, and we had, you know, fullbacks getting forward, especially when we played the wing backs. So we had good attack from the width. And, you know, and I know people, we, we don't have great strikers. Bradshaw and Bod Barson aren't fantastic. But there is something to be said that if they're having two shots every three games, they're mm. not going to get any goals. So you look at someone like Kieran Dewsbury Hall, who went on loan to, to Luton, I think, from Leicester. He's really highly rated. And you look at him, who's, you know, making progressive runs, making progressive passes you know, kind of driving from deeper in midfield or sometimes a bit further forward. You had someone like Izzy Brown, who was on loan at Luton again last year. I think he went to Sheffield Wednesday on loan this year, who's on loan from Chelsea. And they're players who can just, you know, get on the ball and move it forward. We don't have many people who run with the ball in midfield. I think Jason Malumbi did that quite well last year. He would, you know, get on the ball and, and drive forward with, for a bit. I think Ryan Leonard did that a bit. But but not we lost him, didn't we? Yeah, yeah but, and it's not necessarily his forte. I think he's definitely more breaking the play up. So getting someone who can just break a line and then spring a pass. You know, how often do you see a middle striker played in behind the defence? I think I, hardly ever. Yeah, I think Jed Wallace a couple times this season, but it's really rare. So that would have been top of my list. Would have been to to sort that creative issue. Um, other than that. Maybe not sticking with the four-two-three-one as long. Um, well, I was going to ask about the tactics. I mean, have the tactics been correct for the the squad that we have available? In, in your opinion, Ryan? 
I think the I think the five at the back works well. Um, I think it worked well last season, and it gives us options to go with the either the three up front with Jed out wide, or I, I yeah. quite like the two up front with Mason and Jed and kind of playing a a strikerless system like that. But with then then you need midfielders who are going to run through. Where if you've got Woods, Keith, and Belden, okay, Mitchell start doing it, but the other two aren't going to push through, push drive forward anyway. So it's quite back foot. But I think I think we played that that four two three one quite often. Almost trying to shoehorn Troy Parrott in as a number ten, which he just he, for me he can't agree, did he? No. And and that was during, a, as you mentioned earlier, the big run of draws we had, where we just weren't really creating chances. And so maybe I wouldn't have stuck with that for long, but I can understand why Rowett one has changed. And Mill always, Mill fans are always a bit unsure about playing a back five at home. Um, you mm. know, think we should be on the front foot a bit more, and that's fair enough. Um, I think with the injuries, we were limited. We couldn't really play a four four two because we just didn't have a left winger in the squad. Mason Bennett can't play that far back because he can't really defend or defend that well, or you risk injuring him, making him run too much. Um, so, so it's a bit difficult that way tactically. I think, other than you know individual games where he might have picked this person here, might have picked that person there. I think Rowett did a pretty decent job this year in terms of you know working with what he's got and and the injuries he had at times. You know, uh, October sort of time we had nine attackers out, we had yeah. like three strikers yeah. in the squad, so. So I think he did as well as he could. I think mainly main thing for me would be um, a little bit of that recruitment in the summer could have been a little bit smarter. Um, but you know, I think I think you live and learn from those. Michael, I mean, you, I mean, I, I I think I'm probably in, in general agreement with Ryan. I can't think of many things that Gary Rowett could have done better given the circumstances. Anything that strikes you that might have been done differently over the season? Or um, I think it's a combination of what you both said, chaps. Um, I think. And 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 hindsight being a wonderful thing, yeah. Um, and I, I do remember at the time again, not in an arrogant way, thinking there's an awful, awful lot of, of expectation on Troy Parrott, and no one's seen him yet. Um, so I, I did I didn't really get overly caught up in that, but I can see why others did. But I just think there was too much expectation, which I think was a it was a was a I, bit. I of got a, caught up an, in an that. Issue. I got caught up in that. There's yeah, a, no, I know a, you did. It's a YouTube video, and he, he looked like the second coming of Lionel Messi crossed with, with Cristiano Ronaldo. I was totally sold on this YouTube video. But I think he was playing like an under 17s team or something. Yeah, I was going to say, so did George Weyer's brother from years back for listeners who remember that. I'm very easily um, swayed. Yeah, I, 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 do, I remember with the tactics as well. Um, I agree, but one one thing that I one thing that I did find disappointing, and again, it, it makes it sound like I'm a huge fan of him as a player. Um, I'm not overly, but I appreciate what he did for us. I think there were times when the likes of Matt Smith should have been brought on sooner in games or given a sniff, especially when we was chasing a game. Yeah. Um, and you would see 86 minute subs, 87 minute subs. I think was it? I think it was the Forest game when we were losing ridiculously, um, or, or whenever it was. But there was a there was certainly a game that sprung to mind where it was calling out for us for Matt Smith to come on, um, and he literally got a handful of minutes. So I think I think. For a manager who, when he came in, um, I don't know about you guys, but there was a lot of people around me saying just like substitution-wise compared to Neil Harris, he was a breath of fresh air. You know, tactically, he knows when to make changes. Tactically, he can read a game. Instead of waiting until the 67th minute when Harris would make a change, he would do it earlier or he would do it later. I think that went out the window for the second half of the season. But again, that could have been down to squad size, squad depth, 
um, and and horses for courses, if you will. But I, I do think his substitutions let him down this season a lot. Must be something in the water at the at Calmont Road, perhaps that, that turns you into that kind of um, wayward substitution. You know, you, you start with um, some some uh, insightful substitutions, and maybe you get very dull as you go along. Must be something. Mm. I'd, I'd look at the water. Check that water tank out at Calmont Road. Achtung, Mailball. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, Ryan, give me some reasons to be cheerful. Um, I can think of a, my mom was youth and, and the stability of the club. I mean, the... Would they be the kinds of things that would um, strike you as, as as reasons to be cheerful after the season? I think there's after the year we've had. I think there's there's plenty of reasons to be cheerful as a, a Millwall fan. I think the the one that sits at the top of my list, and I, I have a little shrine to him just on my on my dining room table. My girlfriend's not that happy, but I do, I've got my little John Berylson shrine. Um, that's that's always that is weird. Cheerful everyone. You're not helping yourself here, right? <laughs> But that's a, that's always a reason to be cheerful for me. I think through the pandemic, where the club's been really stretched <laughs> and really, you know, we've seen clubs struggling and and doing badly. We've and owners who are yeah somewhat suspect, you know, the the likes of Derby and Sheffield Wednesday, the convulsions know. of the football world. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's the one reason to be cheerful. I think looking how things, you know, may, may have been handled better through the club in terms of season tickets, refunds and, and bits like that. I know people had some gripes going on, but on the whole, I think they've been well, like well managed. And the fact we have an owner who is so committed and so involved with the club and, and clearly cares as much as the fans do, considering he's uh, someone from the US who, you know, wasn't really involved in football before. That's yeah. always a reason to be cheerful. I think definitely the youth side of things is something to be looking forward to. We've, we often don't have that many players coming through at once but to have two next year who look nailed on starters in in Matt Namara and and Billy Mitchell is very exciting for next year really really shame that Billy Mitchell had his injury problems this year because it could have been a bit of a breakout year for him and I know it was good for him to get his first goal before the season ended um but that'll be it'll be great to see them two develop next year and then you look at the likes of 
Isaac Lofe on loan and, yeah. and Mitchell that, down at yeah. Bromley. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. we rarely have, you know, we have a lot of young players who do go out on these loans, but we rarely have them doing really, really well. So Sutton, you know, on the verge of being promoted to League Two, they're yeah. going to have to tear up their their 3G pitch. But, you know, it, it, that, is, it, that is exciting to have players out like that and to look beyond the squad day to day and see that there is a future. And I think this is something that the academy have been doing really well. And, you know, we saw like the, the under 18s doing well in the FA Cup and, and the under 18s and 23s both winning their leagues last year or at least coming close before they were ended. That is always really positive. Um, I think we're in, management-wise, we're in decent hands. I would like to see a bit of a backroom shift up. Um, you look how well Davidson's done since going to St. Johnston. Johnston. Yeah. They, they're, yeah. they're on the verge of winning back both cups in Scotland, the League Cup and the the whatever the Scottish Cup, cup the FA yeah, cup, the Scottish yeah. Cup over there, yeah. yeah, and that's that's fantastic for them. You know, Matt Namara flourished under him, and I think Mill will have really missed having him in the dugout. I think it's it's clearly showing he's someone who's really switched on to go there and do a job with a, a really like a lower ranking side as Johnson in a relegation battle when he took over. Um, I think that that is someone we've really missed. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens there, but. Yeah, I think there's plenty to be cheerful for for Millwall fans. There's plenty to look forward to for next year. It just matters about getting some some key decisions right in the summer. Michael, reasons to be cheerful. Is it this new Luke range of polo shirts? Is that going to liven, <laughs> liven up your, your your world at all, mate? Well, well, well unfortunately, you've, you've beat me to the punch there because I was going to say the new layout of the club shop online and stock... I haven't um, looked, I haven't looked. Um, no, um, <laughs> just, just Sorry, apologies. Um, no, I'll actually say, I think for me, um, again, you say about the youth and, and, and Berylson off the pitch, no, but I, also without trying to get too soppy and sappy here, but I, I think it's things like um, the way the fans came together uh, for the Lions Food Hub, uh, the way they came together during, you know, with the community trust and helping, you know, feeding all um, those who weren't able to, and, and just the way off the field, like all the fans sort of chipped in and helped out, um, you know, with the local area and the club itself. So that that's one of the things for me, or a major thing I'll take away, that I think, as you say, Ryan, a lot of clubs and a lot of owners showed their class or lack of class, i.e. we'll talk about the Super League as well, and a team like Millwall were very humble and, and stuck together. And that's one of the main things I can take away. I mean, com- compared to some of the performance on the pitch, that's all you can take away. Yeah, I think I agree. I mean, you, you, the traditional um, bedrock of Mill has been youth players coming through. It's what we've always been all about. It's one of the pleasures of being a Millwall fan, to be honest, to watch young players coming into the team and, you know, and going on hopefully to to bigger and better things. Financial stability is is, is, is key. And, um, I mean, he's been a real... Um, don't want to turn this into a John Berylson shrine like Ryan's got, but, you know, it's, it's, it is... Um, we we are very lucky in that way, and I think all you know, um, everyone should um, be be thankful for that. I'm going to pass. I've, I've written my 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 points out. This is in the wrong way round. I had reasons to be cheerful, followed by reasons to be disappointed. But fuck that! I've decided we've done all that already in the course of the um of, of the uh, analysis of the season. Really, um, squad. I, I thought it might be nice, chaps, just to touch on. A bit of a school report for the main parts of the squad. Um, I mean, and Michael, you've done some really nice comments. So I'm going to borrow your comments and, and feed off from there. Um, player of the season, you've given 10 out of 10 to Bart Bielkowski, um, describing him as nearly faultless and kept us in games and scorelines low. Um, 
I think it was a was it a, Ryan was it about seventeen or eighteen clean sheets he's he's kept this season. He, he's a major asset for our side, isn't he, Bart? Yeah, he's fantastic. I think. Yeah, again, seventeen, eighteen um, clean sheets, matching what he did last year, kind of consistently up there at the top of the country. I think you know sometimes you look at the defense as a whole and go, you know, oh, it's not just the goalkeeper doing things. It's it's the the, the whole defense as a unit who help defend, but. We've seen at times this year, it looks like we've got some uh, Sunday league defenders on the pitch and we've just got a fantastic Polish stopper <laughs> mopping up for them. So, you know, barely a game but goes by without a Bart wonder save. So, yeah, it, very, very lucky to have him, to think it ne- all nearly fell through over a, knee. A, a dodgy knee. A dodgy knee that's never shown itself since. Um, 48 appearances, Michael, all season. And just one, just one. For the artist formerly known as Frank Fielding. And I think that must have been a, um, it's a Caribou Cup game, I would think. Frank Fielding's one mm. game of the season. Otherwise, it's full state appearances and player of the season. A 10 out of 10. I think I'd, I'd mark him very high. I was going to go for an 8 or a 9 for, for Bart. I can't really think of um, you know, um, many reasons to mark him down from a 10, to be honest. The Polish national goalkeeper must be some player, Michael, mustn't he, to keep him out of the national team? Oh yeah, he must be because I think I think you can literally count on one or two fingers the mistakes Bart's make, and um, I always think with goalkeepers as well. Like if yes, they make a mistake that might cost your goal here or there, but I mean, I've, I mean John Terry said it about Petr Cech when he left Chelsea to go to Arsenal, didn't he? And he said that you know Cech will get just him alone will get you 15, 20 points a season. Yeah. My goodness, how many how many points has Bart got us this year? Every single yeah. save. Every, every save he makes, um, they're either sort of very easy or he makes them look very easy. And, and I remember saying on the show a little while back with you, Nick, I think Millwall fans, not in, not in a negative way, don't get me wrong, because we are an appreciative bunch of talent, but I think we've taken for granted how good he is yeah. um, because he's so, consi- he's so consistently good and he so consistently pulls off these great saves. Um, like you said as well, Ryan, a game doesn't go by without him just absolutely clawing one out the top corner that he's got no right to save. So I think he's been excellent. So is that one of those things that people put on their mugs at workplaces about how miracles are to order? And I can't remember it goes now. Um, you know, great, great things done to order. Miracles take a little longer. It's one of those, one of those things with Bart Belkowski. I'm just going to run down. I've got my squad arranging appearances. So top of the appearance charts was Bart Belkowski. Then comes. Jake Cooper with 45 appearances in this season. Um, you've given him, um, well, kind of, is it down with faint praise here, Michael? You've got um, um, solid no-nonsense, um, although the outstanding Mude of Furore seems to have died down after his injury. Um, I, I think Jake has looked a little bit um, in need of decent company in recent games in that central part of defence. He's, I mean, he's been, he's been ploughing a lonely furrow in the last couple of games where we've been hammered, so... Um, I think he'd be a worthy ass. I mean, most clubs in that division would want to sign Jake Cooper, wouldn't he, boys? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love Jake Cooper. I think he's honestly coming up there with one of the best centre-backs we've ever had at Millwall. I think he, he's desperately in need of a rest. I think I, I really I hope agree he with that, a right. nice, long summer holiday. I mean, there was a great, you know, the great stats about him was in almost three years without missing a minute. And that is fantastic. But in this season of all, you know, we touched on it before about the schedule and everything, where you're playing twice a week and he's being asked to do a bit more, you know, on the ball and yeah. and covering a bit more space. So I think, I know the injuries he had were shoulder injuries mainly, but, you know, 
it's part of the game as a centre back. You know, he doesn't get bookings, doesn't really get cards or anything. So he's just it just hopes a long summer holiday for for big tall Jake and and I reckon he'll come back as good as he's always been. I agree with Michael. It, it did die down a little bit towards the end of the season, a bit like the rest of the team. But he's he's an outstanding centre back, and I think every season we hold on to him is a is a fantastic plus because as long as we can keep him on a, a decent sort of contract, he'll make us a lot of money one day. I think. Agree with that. I mean, Michael, I think he dislocated his shoulder twice. Does it twice this season? He's done it and then let it yeah. put, put back in again. I mean, you know, fuck that. I mean, I wouldn't fancy playing a game of football after that, would you? I'd, I'd, I'd have a week off work. I'd have a week and off. You don't need the shoulders. Yeah. And, and, and every time I sneeze, I'd hold the shoulder and then oh, leave it for the day. Mate. And um, you know he's, he puts his body on the line. Forty-five appearances—that is—that is an incredible achievement for the season. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think I think you can. Um, I think not not say I'm, I'm harsh, but I, I do think there was the uh, there was the talk of him going to Rangers for like nine million pounds, and will he go to the Premier League in the January window? And and the, I think it, I think it was the injury because after that they that that as I say in my little sort of note to you guys, it, it did sort of die down a little bit. Um, you didn't yeah. hear. You didn't hear all the amazing Jake Cooper this, Jake Cooper that. But again, could that arguably also be because in the same bracket as Bart Biakowski, we now expect him to be this good? Um, I think Maybe. with Jake Cooper, yeah, I think with Jake Cooper, there is, I think this season he showed his real maturity and how he can do more. Because I always thought with Jake, there was this kind of, there was a kind of sort of level where he was only sort of as good or he only had a lot of confidence instilled with him depending on who he was playing alongside. So I always felt comfortable when he was alongside Hutch, but I didn't necessarily feel as comfortable when he was alongside Pierce or other centre-halves in the past. But I think he's now got out of that sort of cocoon, if you will, and he's now doing his own thing. So I I really agree with that. I think that's a a really good point. He Obviously, we got him quite young and that does happen with centre-backs where you have that one dominant one and one you know, who's kind of the the secondary one who, yeah, you never really trust as much when the other's not there. And I, yeah, 100% agree with that, Michael, that he's now looking like the number one centre-back who can then be paired with someone else rather than, yeah, when he's not with uh, with Hutchinson, you, you worry about him a bit. Well, Hutchinson's uh, on the third on the list of appearances with 43. I mean, I, I think we've really missed Sean Hutchinson in recent weeks. I, just going back to how uncomfortable um, Jake Cooper felt with Alex Pierce. Can you imagine listeners watching it on your TV? I felt really uncomfortable myself. So I don't know how he was feeling on the pitch. Um, it's, um, I mean, we, again, Hutchinson and Cooper is is one of those, um, you know, it's, it's like Gregory and Morrison. They're just a double act, aren't they? They go really well together. And I think that the, the benefit of the two has been really apparent in recent times. I think Jake has done his best, but you know, playing with Marlon as a central defender is is not going to be a long term solution, in my opinion. Or, or, or um, hopefully, will speed to Sean Hutchinson's recovery. Forty three appearances for the season. Um, he's scored a couple of goals. All the goals is it's um, two two goals for Sean Hutchinson. Um, there's one goal for Jake Cooper, incidentally, boys. As well, we didn't mention that. Jed Wallace also on forty three. Um, our top scorer, eleven goals for the season. Um, I th- I love Jed Wallace. I just think he brings that kind of. Um, he's one of those players, and football they're, they're rare in the game, really. But you, you, they just lift your spirit when they get on the ball. I know he can be a little bit indulgent sometimes, but um, he's just one of those players you cross the road to watch. I mean, Michael, um, you've said he had an incredible season, Jed Wallace. This yeah, he. I've said it before. I've said it again. I've said it for years. He's genuinely 
one of the best, I'd say, right-wingers, right-sided players, attackers this club's had for, what, 20 years, 25 years? Um, yeah, you, will certainly, yeah. you will certainly put him in, in brackets of, of some of the best players of the new den. Um, he wouldn't look out of place in that famous sort of uh, playoff team of the early 2000s. You know, though he, he wouldn't look out of place in a squad of Tim Cahills and Stephen Reeds in their primes and Neil Harris's in their primes. He is just an absolute class, class act. Um, I think this year there have been moments where he might have looked a, a little bit off the boil or, or not on his game. But again, they are very, very few and far between. And I think that's more because he, and he, we've, we've said it for years, he, he is the player that if it doesn't tick for him, it doesn't tick for the side. So there's that unfortunate expectation with him that he has to every single week run through a brick wall to make things happen. He's the spark we've got. He's our best player. Um, I think he came second in the player of the season this year. Yeah, I voted yeah. for him. I voted for Jim. Yeah, yeah. You, you, yeah I, mean, I mean, it goes without saying that you've got a goalkeeper that has got, um, who had one of the best clean sheet records in Europe, if not the best at one time. Um, what, what you said earlier on, Ryan, 18, 19, 20 clean sheets across the season. And that's the only way he's going to stop you winning player of the season. Yeah. And I just think he's a top, top, top player. Um, I know there's been talks and the uh, the infamous rumour mill about how many years he's got left on contracts and everything like that. But well, it could have been his last game in a Millwall. Yeah, show. I was surprised none of you have asked the <laughs> question of have we not have we seen the last of Jed Wallace in a Millwall shirt? I'm, I'm the elephant in the room. <laughs> Give him what he wants, so the uh, so, so that theory can't happen. But I, I think for a Jed Wallace of that quality, and arguably, arguably, just getting into his real prime, you know, if you actually get the right sort of players around him, it, we would be foolish to well, let him go. Yeah, I, I really, I really love Jed Wallace. I think I agree with Michael. I think I, I said um, probably a couple of months ago now when he was really hitting form. Um, kind of the later part of the season saying, you know, what more does he have to do to be considered a Millwall great in terms of performance on the pitch? And and you mentioned it earlier, a lot of people have said about his consistency. But, you know, although he can be hot and cold at times, you know, during games or or throughout the season, I think for the last four years, he's carried this team. Um, mm, yeah. And not many players carry teams for four years and stick around. Um, and I think... I think what's been really interesting to see this year is how he's developed. I think Rowett, one of the things that Rowett has to be credited for, especially early on, I think we mentioned it, um, you know, the end of last season, he has developed some players quite well. And I think Jed is one of those who's really grown as a player. And that is just, you know, him maturing and getting more confident and more consistent. But, you know, the, like the finish he got against Bristol City, I feel Jed of a season ago, two seasons ago would miss that. He's got options to his left where he could square it, but, he he took it so assuredly and, and so accomplished that there was, it was never in doubt really once he hit it. And finishing was something he used to be weak at. He's making great runs in behind. He he creates all of our chances. Um, and that's really not an exaggeration. Um, losing him is something that the club should be worried about. Um, I know, I know it's not necessarily the the best thing to write an article about, but he does have only a year <laughs> left on the contract. So it, it's very much a sign a new deal in the summer and maybe with an agreement that we'll sell you yeah. for some money that in a year. And, you know, he really loves the club. I think he 
he he's he's a good Millwall player in the fact that he he worked his way through the leagues. He's had rejections, you know. He's released from an academy. He worked his way up at Portsmouth, went out on loan in the lower leagues, got his chance at Wolves, and then was pushed aside when they got the Chinese ownership and and yeah. kind of had to reprove himself again. And so he's he's a really Millwall sort of player. He gets the ethos, he gets the mentality. He spoke a number of times through the season about really missing the fans and really loving having the fans in there. Um, and if we can pair someone with him, I think you saw the best of him, probably his best run for the club was, you know, when we had Ben Marshall the first time round. Um, and yeah, the, the, just the high e- point, yeah. Well, yeah. it just eased the burden on him, but Marshall was doing so well that Jed didn't have to worry as much. And then because of that, he started producing even more. And you could see how much fun he was having on the pitch. There's at times this season when you can see how frustrated he's getting and and how how wound up that he knows that if this game is going to turn around, I'm going to have to turn it around because I'm he's he's thinking quicker than a lot of the players on the pitch. He's one step ahead of them. They're not doing what he needs them to do. So definitely, if we can get another player in who will can balance him out, it probably bring him on another level. Um, if not, then we may have to think about. Do we make money on him? Do we let him go for free at the end of this year and say, look, just give us your all and then thank yeah. you for your Shake service. hands, gentlemen. You know, and, and you know yeah. what? If Obviously, Mill will need money and we do need to sell players. But if it came to that, um, you know, sometimes you just have to say, do you know what? Well, that's our, our bad and, and thank you very much. But um, no, another fantastic season for him. Top scorer again. Um, just getting better and better and, and long may it continue. There's a great um, video quiz the club put out finishing from um, Jed Wallace, two from Jed Wallace, and then two. I'm going to leap around my appearance league table, so I'd like to include Scott Malone because there are two from Scott, two from mm-hmm. Jed, all fantastic finishes. And you forget yeah. at the end of um, what's well, been a fairly uh, tough, tough season, but you forget some of the real quality finishes that both have displayed. Scott Malone, um, 38 appearances. Four as substitute, six goals. I think he's our second highest scorer alongside uh, Mason Bennett. Um, beautiful finish against, um, is that Gazaresque style mm. finish that he did against? Was it Sheffield Wednesday, right? Yeah. Well, both of the goals in that in that video you're saying were against Wednesday. They were both in the same game. The first mm. one, the first half, the pile driver, mm. where he came inside yeah. like yeah. A, a number 10 driving forward. And then the second one, the Gazaresque one. Scott, Scott Malone's fantastic. I think. There's the, obviously the reports that we verbally agreed to sale with him. With Derby, you know, Derby selling everything in the kitchen sink. Uh, I think we, we we should get him. We should get him relatively cheap. Um, and I think he wants to stay out. I really like Scott Malone. He's he's a very good player. I really liked him the first time round, and he was well deserving of his his step up to you know played in the Premier League for a little bit with Huddersfield and I think with Fulham the first time round. Yeah. But he's he's always been a goal threat, and I think having a player like that especially when we have the wing-backs in the back five, it's really, really, um, really key to how we play and, and, and a massive threat. Like you say, six goals isn't, it's not small from a from a left-back, you know, it's not, I, I highly doubt Murray Wallace has scored six in his career, but, you know, we're having someone like Scott Malone, it just gives us a little bit of a, little bit of an extra threat. If we can get Mason Bennett firing ahead of him or, or get someone else through the middle, we've got a really good, base to go from there and let's hope he, he gets a contract and, and there next season. Absolutely. I mean, he seems to like it at the den as well, Michael. You've described him here as superb. And I think a lot of that is built on, he seems to enjoy it at the den. I mean, the, the world divides into two sets of people, doesn't it? Those that love the den and those that don't. And he's one of those that seems to mm. like Millwall Football Club and, and the den and all that comes with it. 
Yeah, I think when he left the first time, um, there was obviously there was obviously a talent there. Um, it was obviously a lot younger. A lot younger, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but he, he went under a bit of a cloud, didn't he? Because um, of Holloway, yeah. we, we weren't really... And, and he went cheap as well, didn't he? I think he went for something like 100 grand, um, yeah. which, which wasn't a lot for us um, in the sense that, you know, he was a real talent. Um, I think he's it, since he's been away, he's matured a lot. And you, you stand there, Ryan, about players who who we would need to sort of sign or keep or would help complement Jed. I fit, um, you, you mentioned him as well, but I was going to touch on him. I think if you have Malone and as you say, Mason Bennett fit on that left-hand side to complement that right-hand side, I think we'll be a very, very dangerous attacking team because Mason Bennett seems to like it there as well. Um, mm. I was a little bit juries out with him signing on a permanent deal in the sense that, you know, he didn't have much game time. He, We know he came with a bit of baggage, but he's been excellent as well. Um, and I, I sort of put in put my notes in, I was superb, do what we can to sign Scott Malone. And I'll still stick by that. If you've got a player who is coming to an end of a contract, so you won't have to worry about transfer fees, and it really is just wages and signing on, signing on fees you need to worry about, and, you know, those little bonuses here and there. But for, for a left-back, wing-back to get six goals, you're right, that's incredible. That's absolutely an incredible stat for a, for a defensive player. And the goals, the way he scores them as well, they're not sort of like tap-ins or come off these backsides from six yards out of corners. They are yeah. good, good quality goals. He's very, very comfortable running on the ball. Um, I think... You've he the way he runs with the ball. That's the type of midfielder you want to sign. Um, that you were touching on earlier on, yeah. Ryan. That sort of gets the ball and drives with it. I, could Scott Malone play centre midfield? Probably not. But there's there's areas of his game which we don't have, and we'd be stupid to get rid of because I don't think we'd be able to recruit that quality in the summer. Quality is the quality is a good word. It's the word that you keep coming back to with Scott Malone. But I want to throw another two, uh, another a, a name into the mix. Two words: Ryan Woods, um, a much, much more divisive character. And I am, I am, I'm going around in circles with Ryan Woods. Ryan, um, how do you see him? Would you would you sign him? Would you keep him? Um, his, his his talents are clear and his flaws are clear, aren't they? Yeah, I think I think much like you. Um kind of going around and around with Ryan Woods. I think he's he has been good, um, I think more so last season than this season. He's not been as good this year. Um, I wouldn't sign him in the summer. You wouldn't? I, no, no, I don't think, I don't think, I, I just wouldn't have him. I think he, I do like him and I think he's a good player and I think he has done well, but something about, something about him just doesn't, I, he's too inconsistent and he's not, he almost forces, or Rao, it seems to want to play him in a way that just doesn't really work. When you're playing a back three and you have a, a midfielder like him screening in front of him, kind of tapping it about, mm. he has played some wonderful passes. And, and I know, Michael, in your notes, he said he has looked good when he's further forward, but I don't think he really can do that long term. He's not going for free from Stoke. And he will almost definitely be one of the highest earners in the squad. And I, I really think we could get two players in for what we'd pay for him um, yeah. and, or make one and a half players in, you know, you know, a bit more money um, and get better players, not necessarily better players in terms of quality and on the ball or whatever, but better players for the system we want to play and the style we want to play. I, I just think it will, cause it will cost a fee. And I, I I'm, you know, if, if we get him on loan again and then agree to sign him on a free at the end, I mean, that again it just draws it out and you just know in the end it would just be a bit of a disappointment by the time we sign it and on a contract he'll be pushing 30 and then 
it'll be a massive waste of money almost. But yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure if Rowett has his heart set on signing him either. It, it's not seemed super clear. You know, normally they come out and like Malone's been saying, he's really keen to stay on. We've verbally agreed one. There's, it's been silent on Woods, not yeah. really on anything. So I'm, I'm not sure. Hopefully, you know, there'll, there'll probably be other teams interested as well. But no, for me, it's a pass. It's a thank you for your service, Ryan. Taxi for Mr. Woods. Yeah, I know Harry finally wins. <laughs> Harry you. can be the cab driver and kick him out halfway, make him walk the rest of the way. I'm doing the second double header of this of this um, edition, listeners. Tomorrow, I was going to speak into Harry, so I'm expecting that to be um, <laughs> that to be another 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 point of conversation. I mean, Michael, you've you've put Ryan Woods down as indifferent. I think that's probably as a good choice of word. Would would you keep him? Would you would you sign him? Would you retain him? Would you let him go? Uh, it's it's such a tough one because. It's that thing, isn't it? It's like the old saying, like, when he was good, he's very, very good. But when he's bad, he was horrid. Yeah. Um, because there are times, I believe it was the Bournemouth game, when he, I think he played Jed for a couple of times. And you're thinking, there's not many players, like, they played a yeah. proof to him. And really? you're like, there's not many people in the division, let alone our squad, who could play that pass. Mm. Um, and I always go back to the argument of, because with Millwall, everyone has got this massive shopping list, as I said, you know, the sort of football manager generation. We need sign, sign, so sign, 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 sign. Woods is a player that if he was available on, on a free or on a cheap or he was let go and he was available, I believe he's the type of player fans would go, we should look at, at least look at a player like that or at least consider a player like that. Um, I think the only way you can get consistency out of him um, is possibly um, take a gamble and offer a shorter deal in the sense of we will give you a a one-year contract with a possibility of an extension if you produce X, Y, Z. Um, I think you say there, Ryan, about how it's gone quite with Woods. It has gone quite with Woods, but you also say about the system that Ralph was playing with the three at the back and Woods in front. There were times when he was clearly building his team around Woods and yeah. clearly building and positioning players around Woods. So that's a difficult one to argue, not with you personally, but to argue to say that he didn't fit into a system when you can arguably say the system was designed for him. Um, but that's a testament to him actually performing in it or not. But I think with Woods, I do... We said it, didn't we? We said that if you had a midfield of uh, Woods, Mitchell, um, Kifton Beld, yeah, and, and you had that as a kind of rotation, that's a good little core set of players to choose from. So I would take a pump with him, but mm-hmm. I would need I would need sort I'd need something there that would mean he'd have to be consistent. I wouldn't give him a three year deal because then he'll just get lazy. It'd have to be a one year deal, and then like I said, you prove yourself will we'll make it longer. Mm. I'm going to run through because I see that time is ticking on, chaps. I'm just going to leap through some of the other names that are on the list here. Ben Thompson, I just mentioned Ben. Um, I think Ben's at a real crossroads in his his career. I mean, I. I, we all love Ben because he's one of our own and, and, and you know, he, he gives everything he's got to give. But I just wonder whether he's, for his career, he's probably going to need to think of a move. I mean, Ryan, would you see him as part of Gary Rowett's thinking next season? Or would, 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 would you, would, if you're in Ben's shoes, would you start to think about a move away? How would you play it? No, I, I think he'll go in the summer. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to Pompey. Um, mm. I know they've not got Jacket there anymore, but... I, I, he's yeah, much I, loved, I, he? 
Well, I, I imagine it'll be a, a move to League One, um, maybe on loan and then a permanent after that, or just permanent straight away. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I don't think he has a place in the squad anymore. He's not, unfortunately. I know some people are, maybe argue he hadn't had enough of a chance, but he's not good enough to to be a top half Championship player. Um, he's he's just not consistent, and he, mm. he he's, he's just he makes well, errors. Unfortunately, well, yeah. unfortunately, he's just he's not good. He's just not good enough. It's not. No, there's not something in particular about his game. He's just his all-round game isn't the, the level that Millwall should be aspiring to have it at. Mm. Um, so he he's not great at passing. He had a little bit of a flurry when he came back on loan, brought his form back from him in League One, but never really replicated that. He, his finishing's been really poor. He's missed four or five real big sitters in in tight games this year. Um, he falls over like like he's running on ice. Um, maybe he, he's probably the most relieved person to see the pitch being dug up. But um, <laughs> you know, I think I think I think it'll be a move with Billy Mitchell coming through as well, and the likes of George Evans and and Keithton Beld now in the squad, and hopefully Leonard being fit. Yeah. It gets a bit bloated around there. It's hard can. to see a place for him in that group, really. Yeah, and like you say, he'll want he'll want games. He's not he's not young anymore. He's not a hot prospect anymore. He he's going to want games, and he's going to not get them at all. So he's he's going to have to go for me, um, along with three or four others. I'd imagine who we'll touch on later. But um, but yeah, that, unfortunately, never. I really wanted it to work out with Thompson, but unfortunately, I don't think it quite has. Michael, you've said similar, really, in your in your assessment. Um, you're you're comparing with the kid who comes last on Sports Day, but with <laughs> tries and tries and tries. Harsh. Uh, it is harsh. We all desperately want him to do well. It's true. I think we all sentimentally want Ben to do well but I, th- I think you're probably right there Ryan I think it's probably time to I mean from his own career point of view I mean he's, he's, he's the Millwall thing is is incidental he's got he's got a few years left in the game professionally and he's got to make the most of that and a move would seem to be logical for him um let's have a look at another player that um has caused much mirth and ire is John Daddy Bunvarsson I mean we've still got him for another year if you can believe this boys um since the departure of the, the lamented Scalac, he's got to be um, one of the worst signings I think that we've had in a long time in terms of um, just sheer lack of goals and, um, you know, inability to find the back of the net. Yeah, he's been awful. I was looking back actually at some of the, the, the that Neil Harris clear out summer of um, what the year before last, so that, yeah. that promised so much and has delivered as in the middle way it would so very little. Um, Bodvarsons, yeah, he's been, he's been really poor. I, I know I said earlier about the, the chances creation, but he just he just doesn't do anything. He Raoul likes him, I think, because he presses well when he can. He he's he's very clever in terms of when he goes and when he doesn't. But beyond that, he really does very little. He's never looked good in a game. I, I think also as well the fingers he doesn't in the look air. interested does he he doesn't well, even look interested like he wants to be there well, he, do, he doesn't look he doesn't look like he knows what he's doing a lot of the time like he knows <laughs> it's a fundamental thing isn't it? <laughs> well I think I think for any footballer I think it, it's requisite and I think he suits Iceland's national team well because they're very much <laughs> on the back foot and you think I can see Robert, uh, Harris's thought process in signing him but and I had my friend's a Reading fan and he was Quite sad to see him go. He said mm. after his injury he wasn't the same, but he said he was a good finisher, which I I don't believe. Um, <laughs> but he's an odd one. I think yeah, the fingers in the ear thing when he scored that one goal, was it against QPR maybe at home? 
when the fans cut the famous in. cup tears incident. It yeah. wasn't a great look when you you know you <laughs> score one in fifty games and you go yeah well, I proved you lot wrong and it's it's oh, not he's a, he's a lovely bloke but yeah not for me it'll be hard to move him on it'll be really hard to move him on but that that could be a subject for another show Nick in pre season if you ever run out of content players who players who are sort of like beloved at their previous club but don't do it at the den because no no in all seriousness do you think about it Stalak was exactly the same when he left Brighton it was international for him from Brighton fans yeah, know. you know you know how good he was like shame to see him go and then you've got Bod Varson um so so and and same as Marquez when you know he would come back from his loan spells they're saying how great he was so <laughs> There you go, that's the subject it's, for a show in the future. I, I think I might have squeezed the content sponge dry beyond um, it's a Kalahari desert levels last year, let alone this year. I was hoping for a bit of a summertime off, boys. But anyway, um, I want to I want to praise Danny Mack and I want to, um, I don't know if I'm damning Marlon, but I think Marlon's place has been very much overtaken by the talent that is Danny McNamara. Um you know, I, I can't see Marlon winning his place back um, as long as Danny McNamara is fit. I mean, how do you see the the, um, the two? I mean, Marlon might even be one to move along, um, Ryan. Would you would you see it that way? Yeah, it's really hard. I um, I like Marlon. I think I probably like Marlon more than most Millwall fans, um, which I think is fair enough. I think he's a bit divisive and he, is, mm. he does blow hot and cold. My dad is a, a, a Marlon denier. Um, <laughs> And every every game every game we play, I get a text being Marlon was shit again. And, uh, <laughs> bit harsh. We lost six one. I don't think it was his fault. That's a good um, word. There's going to be like the handmaid's tale. The Marlon deniers are all out there. Yeah. Aren't they? But I, I, I was interested because I'd I'd heard Danny Mac had done really well at St Johnston, seen a bit of highlights, but I was interested to see what he was actually like. And and he did well at Newport as well. Another yeah. one of my friends, a Newport fan. I've I've a friend in every club, listeners, but. Um, <laughs> And he's, he was really a big fan of him until he got injured. But So I, I went on my scout and had a look at, you know, what they actually do in a game and how they actually play. Yeah. And what struck me was they're almost, they were almost identical. with Obviously, McNamara was playing in Scotland, not the championship. But in terms of what they were doing, dribbles per 90, types of crosses, you know, passing and tackling, they were almost identical, which I think is really damning for Romeo mm. given that McNamara was playing, you know, a lower level first yeah. Yeah. all season and he's three or three or four years younger than him. Whereas Marlon's been in a championship for four or five years now. You'd imagine he would have kicked on a lot further, which is a shame. I think last year he looked like he was. Um, I think he stagnated a bit under Harris. And then as soon as Rowett came in and played him as the right wing back, I thought he was doing excellently pairing up with Jed really well. Yeah. This year he's just struggled a bit. Um, you know, who knows why, but I, it's a shame because I think we will get less for him now than we would have done at the end of last season, which is a bit un- annoying, but I'm, I'm not sure if he'll move on because I don't think he'll want to settle for second choice right back. But, you know, Danny Mack looks like he's going to be the number one realistically. Um, you've got James Brown, obviously, if he's going to come back. Yeah. Back up. yeah. yeah. Um, you know, never really seen him much in a middle shirt other than the odd cup appearance. But if you're going to, have a backup or that it could be him. I can't imagine Marlon will stick around for that. So even maybe young Hayden Muller, who can fill in at right back when he needs to, but it could be Marlon's last season. If we can get a bit of money for him, it won't be the worst. I think he's been a good middle servant, but it'll be, in, I mean, maybe the right-sided centre-back thing will, 
work out long term. But I, I like like you said earlier, Nick, I, I can't see it myself. Didn't see the signs there. What about you, Michael? Do you see uh, Marlon sticking around? I mean, I, I think it will be tough for him. No, I, I think he'll go. Um, I think he's been a good servant to the club. I'm not going to get sentimental and say he's like uh, Sean Williams level or, or Steve Morrison, that kind of thing. But, you know, he, he, he's done well for us. I think... I'm, I'm. I used to play defence, even by my rubbish Sunday league level, and I've I've never really bought into these. You buy defenders or fullbacks and have them attack. Um, so when I saw McNamara come into the club or, or start playing games, and he was able to not only press forward and join the attack, but get back and defend so superbly, I thought he was a breath of fresh air yeah. um, compared to Marlon, who's always been questionable defensively. Um, and for a defender, that that's worrying. I think with Marlon. Um, you remember when, when he sort of first came to the club or we first really had him with us for, for a period of time, he was um, challenging um, McLaughlin for that right-back position, wasn't he? Um, yeah. When we first got first got promoted. And I think that might have been where Marlon's downfall was, is that he probably thrived with a bit of competition in the sense that McLaughlin was obviously a good player. Um, and he was, you know, I think it was only because of a red card or an injury that he was at the side and got Marlon back in. But he was obviously bringing down Marlon Romeo's neck. He leaves and goes on to Sunderland. We've not really got an established right back or full back um, to, to really challenge Marlon. So complacency, could you argue, settled in? And then now McNamara's come in. The competition's there. So when Marlon does come in, he does look slightly better. But unfortunately, mm. he's now been overtaken for me. That's football. That's the harsh reality of um, the cut and thrust of football. I'm just going to um, pick a few. I mean, obviously, Billy Mitchell, we've mentioned in passing, it's a big season ahead for Billy Mitch. I mean, he's really come in, made um, himself into a first-choice starter now, and I think rightly so, Ryan. I, I think next season's going to be perhaps the season we should have seen from Billy uh, this year, but for the injury. Yeah, really really exciting. I think one of the, one of the good signs as well is... Um, I think it was Jed who tweeted. I think after he after he got his goal, Billy Mitchell yeah. did his whole, you know, really glad to get my first goal. Great three points for the lads. Tweet and Jed, um, Jed, I think quote tweeted it saying future Millwall captain and you know a bit yeah. like that. Yeah, so I saw that. I think I think that that shows and you know I think you compare him. He's almost that we've gone a few biblical references throughout. So he's probably the second coming of Ben Thompson <laughs> in terms of. Uh, <laughs> He's the Ben Thompson you've always wished Ben Thompson could be. Um, <laughs> I don't remember people. I don't remember people saying things like that about Tomo. I know. I know people said he was really good. People really rated him, and and maybe the fans said it a bit more. But to see some of the senior players talking about um, a youngster coming through like that, that's really really exciting. I know you had his dad on the pod as well, and, and yeah, yeah, a little while ago, and everything he says, and they sound really grounded as a family and and as as a character. Billy does. Um, he sounds really level-headed, and I think going through a bit of an injury struggle early on, you know, makes him stronger. He's like you said, he's or like his dad said, he's physically stronger now. Um, it's shown him a bit of the hard work you have to do. That it's not going to be handed on a plate for you. Um, there will be ups and downs. So, I think next season will be, yeah, hopefully a really exciting one for him. And you know, we might be watching a, a, Mill, a future Millwall captain. Fingers, fingers crossed. I mean, Michael, Conor Mahoney, I want to touch on him with you. Um, I don't know what to make of Conor Mahoney. I really want him to come good, but I just don't see the consistency. I mean, it's going to be an interesting um, 
players like that, we, we we can't afford luxuries that come into the game and kind of don't do much. And that's Conor Mahoney too often for me um, since his return from injury this season, but even going into injury before. How do you see him? Yeah, he's never hit the ground running. Um, and I vaguely remember uh, Neil Harris saying in a press conference once, didn't he? Um, when they were questioning his selections, I think it was just an awful game. When he, when he picked out Conor Mahoney and he said, you know, the season before when he was on loan at Birmingham, he had the best crossing stats in the league. So how you can go from being a, a Premier League player at, at Bournemouth when they were doing pretty well, out on loan to a Bournemouth, uh, Birmingham team, have the best crossing, successful crossing stats in the league. I, I, I know stats lie a lot of the time, but, you know, to have those kind of statistics in your favour and then it just falls so, like, fall from grace so badly is, is a worry. I think... There's the joke with Conor Mahoney, he only ever really plays well against Luton. So if we can just sort of keep him injured and get him fit for those games, that'd be great. But he did, it's, it, it, is, it is frustrating because he has these moments, as you say, Nick, where he is absolute top quality, the way he pings a ball in or brings a ball down or beats a player and puts it in the top corner. But that is far, far few and far between for me. And I think unless something drastically, drastically changes in his form, um, then he's definitely one that, that we would have to have to go for me and look somewhere else. Absolutely. Mm. I want to close this piece, chaps, by just saying a thank you to Shane Ferguson, who's um, been announced will be leaving the club. Um, one of those um, players, I think you've touched on it, Michael, with the you know the kind of uh, the squad member that always is there, ready to step in um, when when needed. Um, a great cross of the ball, um, part and parcel of the side. About five or six years he's been with us now, Shane Ferguson. And by all accounts, from what I read on social media, a really nice bloke as well. It's been announced he's moving on. And just as we did with Sean Williams, I just think it's worth saying well done. Thank you to Sean, uh, to Shane Ferguson, because um, he, he, he will have a, a special place in Mill history. Um, if not one of the great names, he's certainly one of those players that you can look on kindly and fondly. Yeah, like you say, I think you can't knock him for um, what he's done at the club. He was really good when he first came in, part of the, the side that got promoted. And then that character that Mill fans absolutely love of, you know, being told you can leave. You're finished. Find yeah. a move. And yeah. And forcing his way back in, and and really actually being a, a vital role towards the end of that season, that that speaks really highly. And I think anyone who brings him in will get they'll get a really good player. The one of the problems with him, and it is a problem that that players who are similar to him in that sense have throughout their careers, is that he doesn't really have a position. He's um, he's a utility man, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he and it, the utility man often goes goes by the wayside when it when it comes to you know trying to push on and and unless you're really good um you know he he can play left back left wing left wing back obviously mm. Rowett's put him in the middle a little bit he's obviously a left-sided player but the left-sided player maybe have on the bench so you go oh well if the left back gets injured or if the left winger gets injured we're playing a 4-4-2 he can come on and if Millwall aren't playing with wingers you know if we're playing with just wing backs at the moment I'm surprised he wasn't our second choice wing back throughout the season but um I'm surprised he didn't get a bit more game time uh, at times when the, the squad was thin. But, you know, maybe he's just um, not at the level. So, yeah, definitely thank you. I think Millwall fans will, he'll always be a, one of those favourites who, without achieving massive with the club, people will people will always like him. And Yeah. So, uh, yeah, wish him well for the future. Yeah, Michael, I mean, I, I think, again, it's um, it's hard to disagree with those, with Ryan's assessment now. 
Yeah, he, he'd be one of those players that, you know, when you watch, um, you know, when you watch these old programmes on Sky Sports when they show classic games and all those kind of things from like 10, 15 years ago, you'd probably watch them. Not, not, not necessarily forget him, but you'd go, you'd sit there with a beer and go, Corey weren't a bad player for us. You know, like Corey could do a job. You know, one of those. Not instantly comes to mind as like a best or an all-time great, but yeah, agree. Certainly one of those players you could always rely on. I think for actual technical ability, I've said for years he's arguably or as a definite case to be one of the top three best actual technically gifted players in the squad. The way you'd cross a ball in, hit a dead ball. I don't I can't think of anyone coming to mind who's technically as good. And yeah, I was surprised he, he would go because I think he's a very, very handy player to have around. You you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. He no. might have said he wants more game time. He might have said he wants a three year contract somewhere else. And Gary Rowett just doesn't see that kind of investment for that kind of player, as you say, he's very in and out. But fair play to him. He's done well for us. He he, he should get the, the usual round of applause when a game starts, but booze every time he touches the ball. But everyone Absolutely. gets that after they leave Millwall. Absolutely. I'm just looking at his numbers. Uh, numbers. Chain Ferguson signed in 2015 from on loan from Newcastle and then um, fully in 2016. 133 starts, 84 as a substitute. That's that's uh, That goes back to, I think, what you were saying there. Ryan, that kind of lack of position, 84 appearances as a substitute and 12 goals in that seven-year career. So a big thank you to Shane Ferguson and a big thank you to Ryan Loftus and to Michael Avery for taking time out of their day, their busy day, to talk about the strange 2020-21 season. Thank you very much, chaps. An absolute pleasure. I can't wait to hear what um, summer series you've got lined up, Nick. I'm expecting a, <laughs> a pod or two a week, you know. <laughs> I'm really, really looking forward to you following up what you did last summer, and I think all the listeners should be should be on ten. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to a look back over Mill's clickbait articles. A clickbait articles, <laughs> transfer sagas that rocked the wall. A twelve part series brought to you by Axel. <laughs> I tried to lure Christian O'Connell in Australia on the show, but I don't think you, I don't think you even thought about it for the moment on Twitter. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see what summertime brings. Big thank you to you both. I'm going to do a second edition of this show, this doubleheader end of season report tomorrow with Mike and Harry. Um, but for the moment, thank you for listening, dear listeners. Support the Lions Food Hub at Lions Food Hub. And until tomorrow's edition, bye for now. Thank you for listening to Aston Millwall. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. A Riverdale Millwall. Till next time. Who do you want to watch? Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.